from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? It's the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, our first of the week after taking a holiday yesterday for Dr. King's Day and, uh, and simply the fact that I was in Memphis and John DeShazer was in Mobile, Alabama for the start of the Senior Bowl. And we're all back with you today here on this Tuesday, ready to start off another great week of Black and Blue Reports, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly. In the uh, secret bunker today, John DeShazer is co-hosting with me here in the first couple of segments. He's in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl. And Daniel Salerson, producer Dan, is uh, anchoring our attack here from Studio B on Airline Drive. Good morning, John. How are things in Mobile today? All good. A little windy, a little cool. But other than that, uh, everything's good. We're going to talk Senior Bowl with John today. We're also going to hear from two former LSU players, two seniors participating over there in Mobile. We'll also uh, recap last night's Pelicans win. They snapped the losing streak with a 95-92 victory over the Memphis Grizzlies. So we don't have to talk about eight straight losses a whole lot longer. And we'll preview tonight's game as the Pelicans are right back at it, but at home against the Sacramento Kings. And Grant Napier, the television voice of the Kings, will also be our guest today here on the Black and Blue Report. All right, so Dr. King's Day yesterday, and then this past Sunday, John, we had those uh, AFC and NFC championship games. Our Super Bowl is set. The Seahawks will take on the Broncos. Um, before we get into the Senior Bowl itself, curious, uh, any thoughts on what you saw on Sunday in the NFL? Well, I mean, you know, I think the consensus was that the second game was a lot more competitive, San Francisco and Seattle, and, you know, all the way down to the last play of the game, essentially the last uh, offensive play for San Francisco, anyway, in the, in the waning seconds. Uh, you know, good to see the local kid, Peyton Manning, get back to the Super Bowl, get a chance to, you know, I don't think he needs to cement his legacy. He he has the numbers and he has a Super Bowl ring to back up, you know, his, you know, the claim of him being, you know, if not the best, then certainly one of the top two or three quarterbacks in NFL history, but to have a chance to add a Super Bowl ring to it obviously only pads his resume and uh and then the seattle and, and san francisco game you know now the saints can say hey at least we lost to the team that 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 uh represents the, the conference in in the in the super bowl and and you know they they played pretty much the way you expect seattle to play uh defensively extremely aggressively offensively they were opportunistic uh that secondary uh, very physical and handsy and grabby and they, uh, if the officials, you know, know that that's the way you play and, and, and they believe that's the way you play, then a lot of times you're able to get away with it. Yesterday, the uh, social uh, media world, the uh, talk shows, everything else were blowing up about Richard Sherman's uh, comments after the football game on Sunday. John, what did you think? What, how did it hit you? You know what? It, it doesn't bother me that much for him to talk a little trash about a guy. I'm, I'm sure he probably said 10 times worse on the field. Could he have been more, you know, humble and victory immediately on the field after the game? Sure. You know, could, should he have refrained from, you know, name calling and calling the guy mediocre and all that? Of course. You know, could he have been 
full complimentary of his teammates and the opposition, of course. But, you know, if you if you put a mic in a guy's face, you know, two seconds after he's made that kind of play with the guy he's been jabbering with the whole game, and apparently this extends to the offseason, then, you know, then you're probably fortunate that he doesn't spew out a couple of those words that George Carlin says you can't stay on TV. And <laughs> so... So uh, from that standpoint, it, it didn't it didn't bother me that much that he ran his mouth a little bit. You know, you just you wish he'd have handled it a little bit better. And then he, you know, upon further reflection, you know, or as they like to say, after further review, he thought about it on Monday. He did come back and you know issue somewhat of an apology. But in the heat of in the heat of the moment, you know, I, I don't have a whole big problem with him with him spouting off a little bit. Yeah, I kind of found it very interesting. You know what. Would I want my son to act like that? No, probably not. Would I want one of our saints to do something like that? No, no, probably not. But at the same time, as you said, in the heat of the moment like that, and this is probably why the NBA and the NFL and others have the the quote-unquote cooling off period before the media is led into the locker room and everything else, there, there is a reason for that, and that's probably a fine example of why there is a reason. But at the same time, doesn't it just add, John, to the greatest reality television show of all time, the NFL? Well, exactly. I mean, that, you know, we want them. We want them real and raw until they're real and raw, and then we don't <laughs> like real and raw. So, you know, you can't have it both ways. If if, if you're going to be available and you're going to put a mic in the guy's face under those circumstances, then, like I said, you're lucky. You're lucky he doesn't, you know, say something that really, really is, you know, an FCC violation or something like that because. You know, again, he, this is a guy who's been going against, you know, the entire game, and they've probably been, you know, jabbering back and forth. They've got that off-season history. And now that he's won the game, you know, he's probably going to say something that's, you know, pretty close to inappropriate, if not totally inappropriate, you know, in the aftermath of it. But, you know, I've heard lots of people say, you know, a guy like Richard Sherman and some of these elite athletes, you know, those guys live on the edge, and that's part of what makes them who they are is that they live on the edge. Now, a lot of times they're able to curtail it, you know, immediately after, but sometimes it flows on out. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the cooling off period, we see a lot of times in NBA locker rooms where guys might have said something different if you'd gotten to them 15 minutes earlier. There's no doubt, no doubt. Uh, John, the bottom line from Sunday is this, and I I think I know your answer here, but do we have the two best teams in the NFL this season playing for it all here in two weeks? Oh, absolutely, because, I mean, what you're talking about, you know, you're talking about, you know, the rock and the hard place. You know, something's got to give. The best offense in the NFL, Denver. The best defense in the NFL, Seattle. And so, you know, as much as Denver likes to throw the football, and they can run it, they have those, they, you know, they have that capability. But you know with Peyton Manning and those receivers, they want to throw the football. Well, Seattle, nobody, you know, defends the pass and takes the ball be- away better than Seattle. So, if you, you know, you're talking about an opportunistic defense. You're talking about an offense that – takes advantage of every opportunity so you know here the only the only downside here really is and you hate to kick it around but you know playing the game at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey where the conditions might not be conducive to seeing the kind of football that these teams are capable of playing you'd hate to see the weather deteriorate and Denver not be able to throw the ball the way they've been throwing it all season or the footing be a problem or those kinds of issues so, you know, that's my pitch for having it in the, having the Super Bowl and the Superdome every year. But, you know, I guess that ain't going to happen. No, you're not alone. That's for sure. Sean Kelly and John DeShazer here with you on the Black and Blue Report this Tuesday. Still to come, Grant Napier of the Sacramento Kings to help us preview tonight's Pelicans ball game, And uh, Monty Williams and Alexia Jensa also talking about last night's win at Memphis.
John, let's get to your assignment here this week. The Senior Bowl in Mobile. I am not real familiar with this event. I've always known it existed, but um, now uh, you and I are uh, deeply immersed in um, the NFL calendar, and this is a significant piece. Can you kind of set the scene and tell us what this event's all about? Well, it's really about you know college seniors having an opportunity to get a, a good look over from NFL representatives. And, you know, a lot of people call it, you know, the equivalent of a meat market. And, and, and what happens is, you know, these guys get weighed, they get measured. But more than anything, they get a chance to, to practice and play a game, although the game is probably less significant than the actual practice, against high-caliber competition. And so for a lot of small college guys, this is a great opportunity. If you're coming from a Jackson State University, or if you're coming from a nickel state university or, you know, a, a, a Southeastern, you get a chance to go out here and, you know, whereas people will look at you and say, okay, he played against a lower level of competition. How will he project against better competition? Well, this is an opportunity for those guys to really get to show who they are. And a lot of times some big college guys can come here and kind of solidify themselves. E.J. Manuel was here last year. He ends up being the first quarterback picked in last year's NFL draft. And also the you know, two offensive um, tackles, I can't remember their specific names, but number one and number three overall in the NFL draft last year, we're here in the Senior Bowl. So it's a good chance really for these guys to get to come and work out for NFL eyes because a lot of times they go to the NFL Combine and the top caliber guys will not work out. They will, they'll do interviews, but they won't work out until their pro day when everything is under optimum conditions and, you know, they've practiced and they've worked and they've worked on their sprints and they've worked on their, 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 their bench press and, you know, their vertical leaps and everything's just right. And, you know, well, here it's not all just right. Now you're just going out here, you know, man against man, your guy is better than my guy or I'm better than you, and you get to show NFL scouts and NFL coaches, you know, your abilities. John, I got to think that this is entirely different from what you see in the Pro Bowl, which is kind of a, I don't want to call it patty cake football, but it is in Honolulu. No. Um, in this, in this sense cake. here, because guys are auditioning for their future, are you seeing very physical practices so far? Yeah, I mean, yesterday was basically the first day, but you see them in the one-on-one drills. That these guys are serious. I mean, there's no kidding around because these guys understand you're talking money, and there's a huge difference between a third-round pick and a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick and a third-round pick in terms of financial consideration. So these guys are trying to inch up as far as they can in the NFL draft to one, not, one, get with a you know better team, but two, get into a better financial situation. So, yeah, this is all about money right here. John DeShazer's coverage can be found at the Senior Bowl at NewOrleansSaints.com this week as he's on location. Uh, John, who from the Saints is there on the ground right now? Well, everyone's here except Coach Payton. Coach Payton's not going to make the trip. He's working in, in the office in New Orleans. But we did get a chance to speak to uh, General Manager Mickey Loomis this morning, who um, talked a little bit about the Jimmy Graham negotiations, said, you know, there really isn't a reason to panic for the situation yet, obviously. Um, you know, worst case scenario, they, the team can always, you know, put the franchise designation on Jimmy Graham. And if they franchise him, it's going to be as a tight end, not as a wide receiver. He's a, he is listed as a tight end. He was drafted as a tight end. That's the position he plays for the Saints, and that's where he's going to be. So, you know, really, to be honest with you, if Saints fans are concerned about Jimmy Graham, they shouldn't be because, you know, one, he's not going anywhere. The only, the only 
concern might be whether or not they they're able to work out a long term deal because worst case scenario they you know they can go and use the utilize the franchise tag on it and have it for the one year. Two things about the franchise tag, John, that I need to be better familiar with. Maybe you can help me here. Number one, much like I think the Drew Brees situation, they can still negotiate and lift the tag off with a new deal before the season actually starts. Is that correct? Absolutely, and that's that's okay. the beauty of it. You can put the franchise tag on it, and all the franchise franchise tag does is it buys you time. Either it buys you a complete season if you can't come to an agreement, or it buys you another couple of weeks or a month, you know, to to negotiate. Because at any time during that, while he's under the franchise tag, during that during that time, they're able to negotiate a long-term contract very similar to what they did with Drew Brees. Okay, so let's let's go with worst case scenario here. Let's say uh, Mickey Loomis places a franchise tag on Jimmy Graham, which I think all of us should expect at least initially. But let's just say that the Saints and Jimmy Graham's uh, people cannot come to an agreement on a long-term deal before the season starts. If he plays uh, with the franchise tag attached this next season, what happens at the end of the season? Well, you get to do it. You basically get to do it all over again because the team, you know, is allowed to have a franchise tag and they're allowed to use it each season. Now, I, I don't think you're able to use it, you know, indefinitely on the same player. But what happens is you franchise tag him. That guarantees that he will make the average. He will his salary will be the average salary of the top five tight ends in the league. So he'll have that as a year as a as a base marker. Okay, you play the season at that, and then next off season you get back to the you get back to the grind again. And if I'm not mistaken, if you know worst case scenario, they could franchise him again next year. But certainly, you would imagine that they will have done have something long term done by then. All right, John DeShazer with us at the Senior Bowl in Mobile here on the Black and Blue Report this Tuesday. Of course, you can always follow John on Twitter, at John DeShazer. That's at John DeShazer. You can follow me, too, at Sean Kelly Live. At Black Blue Report is the Twitter account for this show. And on today's program, Grant Napier from the Sacramento Kings, Monty Williams, and Alexia Jinsa talking Pelicans a little bit later on. John will be back next segment. We'll uh, talk about two LSU players trying to make their mark at the Senior Bowl, and we'll do that after this quick timeout. The Pelicans Valentine's three-game flex pack presented by Woodhouse Day Spa is a great gift for the basketball lover in your life. This limited-time offer includes two tickets to any three games of your choice on the Pelicans schedule, including matchups against the Clippers, Thunder, and Heat. Packages start as low as $54, plus the first 200 packs purchased will include a $25 gift card to Woodhouse Day Spa. So call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your Valentine's three-game flex pack today. NBA All-Star 2014 is coming to New Orleans with an exciting lineup. The BBVA Compass Rising Stars challenges your ticket to see the NBA's newest stars. On Friday, February 14th, the New Orleans Arena will play host as the rookies and sophomores team up to battle for bragging rights and make a name for themselves in the Big Easy. Tickets are on sale now through NBAevents.com for as low as $10. BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge. Your ticket to see the NBA's newest stars. Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report. With John DeShazer from the Senior Bowl in Mobile. I'm Sean Kelly from the Secret Bunker today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. 
All right, John, a lot of seniors. Uh, you mentioned the small school guys uh, getting their chance in Mobile this week. Of course, you'll see the helmets of a lot of big-name schools as well, including the LSU Tigers. Uh, who is uh, representing LSU at this year's Senior Bowl, John? Oh, we got um, linebacker Lamine Barrow and uh, safety Craig Lawson. And Lamine Barrow, a kid from the West Bank, went to John Ayers High School, who's looking to uh, hopefully improve his draft status. You know, a guy who... You know, he's a speed guy, more of an outside linebacker type. But, um, you know, they thought so much of him this year at LSU that he wore the, the you know, the value of the number 18 jersey. So that tells you the, the regard they have for him at LSU because that's a special jersey at LSU. That's a special number. And he, he's getting a chance to work out against some, some higher-level competition or some good competition because basically what the SEC guys generally say is, you know, they see this level of competition every Saturday in the SEC. Barrow, of course, uh, yesterday spoke with the media after their first workouts. Here's a listen in as to what uh, John DeShazer and the other assembled media had to discuss with Lamine Barrow. The fact that you played against this kind of competition the weekend workout made the transition to here a lot easier. Yes, it's, um, it's easy. The only thing is, you know, today was the first day, so, you know, anytime it's the first day, you know, everything kind of slow. you got to get back in the jail of things. Your legs might be a little, a little tired no matter how much work you've been doing because football is different than training. And, uh, so you get, it's about getting back in the groove of it and trying to get your legs up under you. Talk about this opportunity. Probably talk about another chance to show NFL the team what you can do. Uh, like I said, it's a blessing uh, being able to be here in front of these guys and, and, and showcase my skills and, and, and try to, uh, you know, uh, do the right thing out of my scheme and, and show them that, you know, I could do uh, different things. And uh, I would say it's a blessing and just got to make got to make the best of it. Is there any interview, what do you tell them your strengths are? Uh, you know, uh, a smart guy that can get the job done, you know, hard work, capable to do everything and do whatever I have to do to help the team win. You might have thought about coming out last year. So many guys, I think you, you thought about it. Are you glad you stayed? Uh, without a doubt, uh, I thought about coming out, but um, you know, I had a personal goals I wanted to experience, and and uh, I just wasn't ready to leave LSU. I love LSU. Uh, I wanted to experience last year, and I had I to reach personal goals, and I also wanted to graduate. So it was a lot of reason why I stayed. You know, I'm thankful that you know I stayed. Um, I enjoyed my last year, and uh, Nas, you know, Nas on to the next step. John, was there anything that Barrow said yesterday that really stood out to you? No, not really, just that, um, you know, he's a guy who wants to carry on the uh, the LSU legacy in terms of, you know, LSU linebackers who have, you know, done fairly well in the NFL, and he wants to pick up that torch and carry it. You know, he's a proud guy who, again, I mentioned again, he's, you know, from the West Bank, from the New Orleans area, and he wants to carry on the tradition of, of New Orleans NFL players also. All right, tell me about Craig Lawson. Well, he's a senior safety uh, a guy who's had some injury problems at LSU, a hard hitter. But, uh, you know, one of those guys who, unfortunately, hadn't been able to play every game and, you know, all the downs. But, you know, he's a guy who's extremely physical, and that's one of the things that LSU liked on the back line of that defense. And here's a portion of his visit with the media yesterday. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Anytime I can have a barrel with me, it's, uh, it's, it's our love. Uh, you know, it's uh, my blessing. You know, we both... You know, been been done done great things at LSU. Had a good had a good year, and uh, you know, now it's time for us to uh, you know move on. And uh, anytime I can have him with me, uh, it just makes things much better. So, John, those are the two LSU guys that you spoke with yesterday, Lamine Barrow and uh, Craig Lawson. Uh, who would you say is probably the biggest name over there working out in Mobile? Well, um, you know, there are several guys over here, and and really, I I I can't really pinpoint 
who the top guy is. Now, I mean, there are some interesting guys out here. We, we, we've seen, um, you know, and another local guy would be uh, receiver Ryan Grant from Tulane who's got a chance to really um, up improve his stock. So you hope that he he's able to get out here and, and show exactly what he's able to do and run well because I, I think that's the con- – that's the consideration with him is whether or not he's going to be fast enough to really make a dent for an NFL team. You know, he's the guy who, you know, we've seen him before. He's got great hands, but we don't know, you know, just how it translates to to NFL caliber players. All right, John, what's uh, you said Mickey Loomis spoke earlier today. What else is on your agenda before you uh, head back to New Orleans? Well, I mean, we're going to, you know, watch a little bit more practice and see what we can see. But, you know, essentially the haze in the barn in terms of uh, speaking to Saints personnel probably, you know, maybe we'll get a fortunate and speak to some other ones. As we mentioned earlier, you know, because Sean Payton isn't here, it isn't going to be here. So, you know, and then plus he addressed the media, you know, in his in his season-ending, you know, news conference. So there wasn't a whole lot more that he could add to it. And so we'll just, you know, see what happens in these practices and keep our eyes on the local guys and see if they show any significant jumps in improvement. Good stuff, J.D. I appreciate you joining us today on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, hopefully we'll uh, have back-to-back Pelicans wins for you when you come back to the fold later this week. That would very much be nice. I'd like to see that. I'd like to come home to a team that's on a little bit of a roll. No doubt. John DeShazer with us from the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Our Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report continues in just a moment where we turn our attention to the Pelicans and their win last night in Memphis over the Grizzlies, 95-92. to Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you ready for health care reform? At Blue Cross, we're ready to help. Learn all you can about health care reform at bcbsla.com slash reform. Here you'll find information on tax credits, health insurance options, answers to frequently asked questions, and a handy checklist to help you prepare. Visit us today at bcbsla.com slash reform and get ready. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association and is incorporated as Louisiana Health Service and Indemnity Company. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. This is Pelican Forward, Tyreek Evans, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Our thanks to John DeShazer today for his report from Mobile, Alabama. He's covering the Senior Bowl for NewOrleansSaints.com. Sean Kelly back with you here on the Black and Blue Report. Let's turn our attention to basketball. Good news last night. The Pelicans snapped their eight-game losing streak and got a big road win at Memphis. They now have three wins over the Grizzlies this year. Last night's final, 95-92 on Dr. King's Day at the FedEx Forum. Two significant numbers uh, changed last night. Number one, well, actually three, I guess. The most significant being the end of the losing streak. But for just the third time this year, the Pelicans beat a team with a winning record. And also for the third time this year, they won a basketball game when trailing going to the fourth. Even though the margin was only one point, uh, still a nice step for the Pelicans, who outscored the Grizzlies 27-23 to in the fourth quarter to go on and win. So now for the uh, Pelicans, it's 16 wins on the season and 40 games under the belt altogether. They're back at it tonight. We'll talk more about that game a little bit later with Grant Napier 
But here's Pelicans head coach Monty Williams following the win yesterday in Memphis. In general, how's it feel after this one? Just feels good to get a win. Uh, like I told our guys, uh, you can't get wins like this if, if you don't have big time character and tough guys in your locker room. Um, the way we battled tonight says a lot about um, our assistant coaches and those guys. They, they just rally around each other. Even when things were starting to look like the same old, same old, uh, we had a few guys, AD and Tyreek in general, B-Rob, they just stepped up and just said, not tonight. And, um, obviously, the ball bounced our way a couple times. They missed some shots. But um, it, just, it just feels good to get a win. And now for me, it's, it's on to sack. And... Um, Preparations already started for that, but I want our guys to enjoy it. You grabbed the lead for the last time very early in the fourth. Yeah. That's a long way for your club to yeah. kind of hang on to finish. Yeah. Uh, in, in light of what you were talking about, was there a possession or two tonight that, that helped push you guys over the edge? Well, I don't, I don't know. I thought one time out of a timeout, we, we run crazy play for AD to curl, and he gets a dunk. Um, that, to me, is the kind of basketball we have to play when we can – go into a timeout after a team has made a run, we come out of the timeout and get exactly what we want by going to the basket. And now we can set our defense. Um, I thought that was a signature play for us, and it was you know, done by AD. And, and he's carrying so much weight right now. For him to be able to make play after play, I thought the jump shot he made on the baseline was huge. And then I thought Jeff coming in tonight was a huge lift for us. His defense, um, he didn't block as many shots as it, as it seemed, but he was distracting a lot of shots tonight, and that was huge for us. How did you keep Zebo scoreless in the fourth? To be honest with you, I, I just didn't think he got as many touches. You know, as, you know I'd, I'd love to say we formulated this great plan against him, but I think he had 19 in the third. Um, their best offense was him just pushing us out of the way and getting an offensive rebound. I'm not sure it was, I got to look at the film. I'm not sure if it was us or if he just didn't get the ball um, as much as he did in the third quarter. You always tell your guys don't get too high after wins, don't yeah. get too low after losses, but after eight straight losses to get a win, how do you not let them, I guess, feel well, even better about this? They have to enjoy it. You know, it's, up, it's on me to um, get ready for tomorrow, but they, they, they know by tomorrow morning they got to turn it off on this game and get ready for another game at our place. Um, the biggest thing is, we got to remember how we play tonight and be even better tomorrow. So that's Monty Williams' postgame right outside the locker room last night. Anthony Davis was a monster again, especially in the second half. But in all, he picked up another double-double, had four block shots, a game-high 27 points, and also had 10 rebounds, six of which came on the defensive glass. If you add in the fact that he had four steals as well, he's the youngest player ever to put up a line that reads 27 points, 10 rebounds, four steals, and four block shots. This after going just two for 11 in the first half. So a monster second half for Davis last night. He was helped out by Brian Roberts, who went five of seven from the field. His three threes helped him to 13 points. Eric Gordon had a dozen, as he's now gone double figures in all but five of his games this year. And then two double figure scorers off the bench. Tyreek Evans, although only going five of 13 from the field, was perfect at the free throw line, led the team with seven assists, and finished with 15 points. And then in the low post, as you heard Coach say, he was very happy with the play of Jeff Withy and more notably Alexia Jinsa, 
who finished with 10 points on 5 of 8 shooting and also had 6 rebounds. I had a chance to catch up with Lexi after the win yesterday at the Forum. Congratulations. I went to a losing streak. I don't have to ask you about it tomorrow. It feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels great. It feels very good, uh, you know, to get a final win. And we just got to keep going for next uh, for next game tomorrow. For you guys collectively in the low post, uh, this is a challenge. Anytime you play a Memphis team that features Randolph and Gasol, but seemingly collectively as a unit, you may have played one of your best games here of late. What helped tonight? Uh, just be because you know we help each other. Uh, sometimes we're in a tough situation, and we help each other, and uh, that we're pretty good tonight. You uh, just got to keep doing this uh, that, that way, even sometimes it's tougher to do. Coach was very pleased at the play of you and Jeff together. He felt like there was no drop off when you guys were into the ball game. Is that for you personally becoming more of a comfort thing now? You've been here now a couple of weeks. Are you feeling more comfortable? Yeah, I feel we're very comfortable, you know, I understand a little bit more about the plays and what they're asking for in defense. So I started to pick up very, very fast, and uh, now I'm just I'm just like in a, another guy on the team, so I feel great. You shot the ball well tonight too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it's something that I have been doing overseas, and uh, well, here I just started to do whatever the coach wanted me to do, and uh, something happened, I got an open shot, I just took it. Tonight it worked pretty well, and they hopefully keep going that way. Lexi, what was the conversation like as the second half progressed? Take me time out to time out as the game progressed. What was what was the conversation amongst you all? Well, you just stay focused, you know, just keep controlling the paint and the rebound uh, because they were getting an offensive rebound. Uh, it was tough to control Zach Randolph tonight, and uh, we're trying to help AD as much as we can. Think about Sacramento for a second. I know you want to enjoy this one here, but you're right back at it tomorrow. A thought or two on playing the Kings tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be a great matchup again for, for the big guys. Uh, we got Cousin in there. Uh, it's, it's, a big, it's a big score, too, so we're going to have to, uh, to be ready to, 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 to go to the war, so we're going to see what we can do. Do you go into the game with a kind of a, a weight off of your back because you win tonight? Well, we're happy, to, but you know we know it's not just our goal to just win one game. Uh, our goal is, maybe, is right now is just to go in and win two in a row, so it would be great. So a well-played game by the uh, Pelicans yesterday. They also defensively forced Memphis into 18 turnovers and then turned around and scored 18 points off of those turnovers in the win as well. Uh, the uh, Pelicans will hit the halfway point of the regular season tonight when they host the Sacramento Kings. And we'll preview that ball game in just a moment with the television voice of the Kings, longtime voice of the Kings, Grant Napier, right after this. Your New Orleans Pelicans take flight this Tuesday, January 21st, when the Sacramento Kings come to town. Tip-offs at 7 p.m. with the Pelicans Fest pregame block party getting it underway at 5.30. Featuring live music, the Zataran Season Ticket Garden, and interactive games for the kids. Tickets start as low as $11 and are available by calling 504-525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com today. As one Entergy customer to another, I have a tip for you. Download the free Entergy app. If my power goes out, I check the app. The outage maps let me know what's happening and when to expect my lights back on. It also makes it easy to pay my bill and manage my account, all right from my smartphone. Download the app today or visit EntergyApp.com for more information. Giving me control in the palm of my hand? That's the power of people. Entergy. It's Pelicans game day. 
This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. This is the Black and Blue Report. I'm Sean Kelly, and joining us here to help us preview tonight's basketball game at New Orleans Arena is the longtime television voice, one of the best in the business, Grant Napier of the Sacramento Kings. Grant, good morning. I know this is, uh, what, game five of six on the road. I hope that the road has treated you well this time around. Well, I'll tell you, you know, uh, Jerry Reynolds, who I've been doing the games with for a long time, says, you know, you play 41 at home and 41 on the road. But the Kings had a very lopsided schedule this year. Most of their uh, the first 30 games or so were at home. So it it seems like since the new year came, we've been on the road uh, every day. But, you know, hey, uh, it's a great life. No complaints. And uh, so, yeah, the road is treating me well. And Grant has done a lot of sports talk as well in the Sacramento area and nationally. Uh, I catch him sometimes filling in for Jim Rome on the national scene too. So a very busy individual. Uh, Grant, as you know, as team broadcasters, we kind of live life of the franchise, and there's so much more that goes on outside of the games themselves. I'd have to say in the last year, uh, perhaps your situation has been more interesting than most. How has this franchise changed in your eyes in the last 12 months? Well, it was interesting because uh, one year ago yesterday on MLK Day, um, I was uh, boarding the bus here in New Orleans. Uh, We were playing uh, New Orleans uh, on MLK Day, and uh, I got a phone call from George Maloof, the owner of the Sacramento Kings, uh, as I was checking out of the hotel, informing me that uh, he had sold the team uh, to a Seattle group. And I'll never forget walking on the bus and experiencing the mood and the flight home after that game. And then a year later on MLK Day, I was reflecting back yesterday about what an unbelievable journey it's been that uh, the Kings uh, and the city of Sacramento really defied all odds, uh, were able to uh, fight and save their basketball team. And now we have new owners, we have, uh, you know, new coaches, new general managers, and we have a new arena that's going to be opening in the fall of 2016. And I was reflecting back yesterday on what an amazing year it's been what a difficult year it's been. Uh, the months January, February, March, April, and May were probably uh, the most difficult thing I've ever gone through since doing the Kings. And as you said, I have a daily talk show uh, for four hours every day, and um, I can't even really describe what it was like going on the radio every day, thinking that this team was going to move to Seattle, and then to see all the grassroots efforts, Mayor Kevin Johnson, our current owner now, Vivek Ranadive, what they were able to do to save this team I know it may sound corny, but they really should make a movie on it. It would it would make for a great drama. No, I don't think it's corny at all, Grant. And 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 this process that we watched unfold, you in the in the front row, us from far away, as you mentioned, what was the phrase you used? Defied all odds. I, I just I remember when you were all here a year ago, and it just seemed to be a foregone conclusion at that point. I never, in my wildest dreams, would have imagined that this franchise was staying there in the capital city. Yeah, you know, I I think, to be honest with you, there were a very, very select few of people that felt that this team was not going to leave. And the first person was the mayor, the former all-star of the Phoenix Suns, Kevin Johnson. As a matter of fact, I'll share a real funny, not funny, but a very uh, interesting story. It was early February, and I was sitting uh, on the Kings bench area about an hour before the game one night. And Kevin Johnson walked out of the tunnel in Sacramento. He was getting ready to do a couple of TV interviews. And he saw me, and uh, he walked right up to me. I stood up, and he didn't even say hi. He just said, he leaned into me, and he said, all you need to know is we're doing this. And then he pulled back, and he looked me in the eyes, and he said, that's all you need to know. We're doing this. 
And he turned and he walked away. And I was just like, wow. And honestly, that was such a powerful moment for me because Kevin Johnson is one of the most, I mean, he's a leader. And, when, you know, it's, it's almost like he rallied the entire community. Uh, what he did was, was incredible. It's hard to really describe uh, in such a short period of time, Sean. But uh, to go through that experience, to see the real leaders, to see the people that made this happen, I mean, I'll never forget it. Uh, I'll absolutely never forget what the experience was like. Grant, the only thing that I can compare your situation to is is the Hornets at the time in that limbo state between Oklahoma City and New Orleans yep. and those months of wondering where I was going to live even before the next calendar year would turn. One thing that I had a hard time dealing with personally during that stretch was trying to figure out who I could believe and who was just blowing smoke. Um, you just you know told the great yeah. story about the mayor there. How did you figure out who was real and who who didn't know what was going on? That's a great great point. Um, you know I've been in Sacramento since 1987, and I've developed a you know a, a lot of close relationships with people. And I've kind of you know Sacramento is a little bit different community because you know the Kings are the only thing there, and it is a fairly small community. And I've learned over the years the people that you know, I really trust and and the people that I got to be leery of. And so I just really followed uh, the mayor's lead and the people on his staff that I've gotten to know. And those those are the people that I kind of put my, all my marbles in their basket, so to speak. And, uh, you know, he took us there and, you know, I mean, he needed help. I mean, you know, he needed people to to follow along with it. You know, the one thing that's different, and I understand your perspective, because as as someone that makes their living announcing NBA basketball, I was wondering the same thing, too. As a matter of fact, every time I walked into an arena um, on the road, I asked myself and told myself, gee, is this the last time I'll ever be coming into this city to do an NBA game? But unlike uh, unlike New Orleans, where you have the great Saints and everyone here in this region of the country seems to be a Saints fan, and had you lost the basketball team, it would have been very difficult for people like yourself and, and the employees of the team but the fans here at least have the Saints. They at least have LSU. Um, in Sacramento, we have nothing. I mean, we have the Kings, we have the Kings, and we have the Kings. And if the Kings had left Sacramento, it would have been absolutely devastating. It would have been devastating for the city, the economy, and so many fans because they don't have really anything else to fall back on. It's just the Kings. And we have phenomenal fans this year. The Kings have already sold out seven games. The attendance is up 30%. I mean, it's been an incredible turnaround. There's no doubt. In news last week, Grant, that there is a group opposing the public funding of a new arena in Sacramento and that they may have gotten enough signatures to put this thing to a vote. Is that the case? And and if so, is that the last hurdle as you see it? Uh, It is the last hurdle. Um, They do have enough signatures. Whether or not it gets on the ballot uh, remains to be seen. Um, Without going into a lot of detail, the organization and uh, the, the people that are going to be building this arena aren't that worried about it. Hmm, good news, good news. Grant Napier, television voice of the Sacramento Kings, here with us on the Black and Blue Report. All right, Grant, I knew we'd have to talk about some of that stuff, but let's talk about basketball, shall we? The Kings sure. at 14 and 25 are an intriguing bunch to me, um, and it's all um, are surrounding DeMarcus Cousins. Let's start with him. Um, while he has 10 technical fouls already this year, and he's uh, kind of uh, run his mouth on a couple of different issues, it does seem that Cousins has grown up a little bit and seems to be a more mature and just as powerful player. Is that the case? Well, first of all, let's start with the player part. He is without question a much better player this year. 
than he's been previously. He has 14 consecutive double-doubles. The guy's a dominating force, Sean. He plays large every night. That's number one. Uh, has he gotten better in the other areas? Yes, he has. But as Michael Malone said the other night before the Oklahoma City Thunder game, he still has a ways to go. And I think most people that follow DeMarcus Cousins, Sean, would tell you the exact same thing. Uh, he has improved. There's no question. Uh, but he's still got steps to move forward. And he's doing that. And, again, you know, it's it's a process. And there are times when he'll take a step back to take two steps forward. Uh, but there's no question, without without any degree of doubt, he is definitely heading in the right direction. You mentioned Michael Malone in his first year of head coach. Uh, Grant, working under the premise that he's the right guy at this time for this franchise, what would build that case? What says that Michael Malone is the right guy for the Kings right now? Uh, just being around him, seeing how he approaches his job, uh, seeing the respect that the players have for him. Uh, and, you know, again, we've made a lot of trades, and so he's almost had three different training camps, one when the Kings acquired Derek Williams, and then a couple of weeks later when they acquired Rudy Gay and two others. And so now uh, this team's starting to play much, much better basketball where they've got a chance to win every time they step on the floor. You know, it's really interesting in the sense they beat Miami this year. They beat Houston twice. They've won against Dallas. They've won against Portland. Uh, and then they've lost to some of the lower uh, echelon teams. So, you know, they're getting there. They're, they're, I'll tell you this, they're a much better team than they were three weeks ago. And every time they walk on the floor, they've got a chance to win. So, uh, believe me, the, the, the least of the problems with the Sacramento Kings is Michael Malone, who actually was an assistant coach here in New Orleans for a while. And he is an unbelievably respected coach. Uh, and I think he's going to be coaching the Kings for many, many years to come. It's interesting. The Kings and the Pelicans have almost identical records. They're both in a process where they're trying to put that core together. They have uh, seemingly a centerpiece, Cousins for the Kings, Davis for the Pelicans. But here, both of these teams, Grant, are trying to make strides and build for the future in what is now the toughest Western Conference that I can remember in a long time. Yeah, I totally agree. And in New Orleans' case, as you're well aware of, you know, the Pelicans have been hurt by injuries and you know, not having Ryan Anderson is just a, a, a just awful. Uh, and he is uh, from Sacramento, and I've gotten to know him, and I feel so bad for him. He's such a quality person, such a great uh, human being, first and foremost. And and I know that as a basketball player, you know, the Pelicans really miss him. And then the holiday injury. The one thing I love about what you've done here is you've got a franchise player in Davis, and I, I just think he is going to be um, one of the best perennial all-star for so, so many years to come. I like the foundation here. I, I think the organization has put together a very good basketball team. The Kings realized that they weren't doing it the right way, and so their new general manager, Pete D'Alessandro, has rolled the dice by acquiring a Rudy Gay by a Derek Williams, and it's made Sacramento a much better team. But you got to have the building blocks, and here in New Orleans, it's Davis, and in Sacramento, it's Cousins. And I know both franchises feel really good to have those centerpieces, you know, leading the way. Whether it's a note that you have, uh, Grant, or just an overall feeling, give me your take on tonight's ball game, just in its uh, singularity. I think it's going to be a really, really close game. Uh, New Orleans came in and spanked Sacramento a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Tyreek Evans had a great game, uh, but the Kings have had a day off. I like the way they're playing. Uh, I think tonight's game is going to be very, very close. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I, I think, as you said, these teams are fairly evenly matched. And uh, I'm 
I like the Kings tonight. I think they're going to play very, very well. If it's good enough to win, we'll find out. I was impressed with the way the Pelicans played, you know, yesterday in Memphis against a good Memphis team uh, to get a road win. Uh, it shows me, you know, they're 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 playing very well. And so I, I think tonight's game is going to go right down to the wire. I agree. These are two teams with a lot of tough dudes on those two uh, two rosters. I, I, I kind of like the matchup myself. Uh, Grant, I've kept you a long time, and I appreciate it very much. I, I hope I hope that you've gotten something decent to eat in our fair city while you've been here. Yeah, it's been great. Love coming in New Orleans, and um, we come back again, I think, uh, later in the season, uh, early April or late March. So I uh, love coming here. Absolutely love it. Grant Napier, you can find him all over the uh, the map as far as uh, broadcasting goes, of course, uh, anchoring with the Kings, but then, of course, uh, also on radio as well. Grant, are you a, are you a Twitter guy? Are you into that? Uh, yeah, I have Twitter mostly for my radio show, and um, I started Twitter two years ago. And you know what's funny about that, Sean? I had always told people I would never, ever go on Twitter, and now I'm on it all the time. I'm just like my kids. I can't get off Twitter, right? <laughs> How can they follow you? Because that's good stuff. Uh, I'm at Grant Napier, N-A-P-E-A-R, at Grant Napier Show. Good stuff. Again, Grant, I really appreciate it. You're a very busy man, but uh, we're honored to have you here on our podcast today. Sean, I'm happy to do it. Anytime you need me, give me a call, and uh, I'd love to talk to you and the fans. Very good. We'll see you at the arena tonight. That's the Kings and the Pelicans tonight at 7 at New Orleans Arena. The Kings broadcast with Grant Napier. And then, of course, you've got Pelicans Radio Network uh, coverage with myself and then Joel Myers and David Leslie on Fox Sports New Orleans this evening as well. We'll wrap up the program in just a moment, and we'll be back after this. Okay. You've just been told you have a serious heart issue. Congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Auctioner Medical Center has the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News & World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is... I just saw your test results, and they look great. No problems. Leading Edge Care. Just one more reason to choose an Auctioner-affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. Just about to wrap things up here on this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Before we get out of here, uh, as we're taping the program this morning, news uh, has broken that the uh, New Orleans Pelicans have made a trade with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, just moments ago, Pelicans general manager Del Demps announced that the trade uh, goes like this. Basically, the Pelicans acquired Tyshawn Taylor. He's a guard and cash considerations in exchange for the draft rights to Eden Bavchich. Uh, Taylor was a second-round pick by the Nets in the 2012 NBA draft. He's appeared in 29 games this season for the Nets, and he's averaged 3.9 points, 1.6 assists, and a half a steal in about 11 and a half minutes per game for the Nets. The um, Kansas product holds career averages now of 2.9 points and .9 assists per game in 61 career NBA games. So Tyshawn Taylor is now a Pelican. And uh, we'll effort to uh, hear from perhaps General Manager Dell Demps during our radio broadcast tonight of the Pelicans and the Sacramento Kings. 
That ball game's yours at 7 tonight on the Pelicans Radio Network. There are tickets available if you'd like to come out in person and see the lone home game of the week for the Pelicans. Some tickets tonight start as low as $11. Those can be had at pelicans.com or on the telephone at 504-525-HOOP. Television coverage also this evening on Fox Sports New Orleans with Joel Myers and David Wesley. And then the Pelicans have a little bit of time before they travel on Thursday to Detroit to take on the Pistons on Friday night. Our thanks to John DeShazer today, Grant Napier as well, for being guests of the program. Monty Williams also stopped by with Alexi Ajinsa on this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. We're right back at you tomorrow after noon central. It's no appointment radio, and it is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Daniel Salerson will be your host tomorrow, and we'll hope that you'll uh, partake in the Wednesday edition as it is yours again just after noon central tomorrow. A lot on our show today. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks uh, for listening. Hope to spread the word, won't you? And we'll see you next time right here on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.